Forgiveness and repentance. Forgiveness is wiping the slate clean. Repentance is a change of heart. It's a turning away from evil. Thank you for joining us for this week's broadcast of A Word from the Lord. Today, Dr. Beach brings us a message entitled, Jesus Appears Again. Here now is our speaker and teacher for A Word from the Lord, Archbishop Foley Beach. Father, as we now open your word, we pray that you would come in the power of your spirit to be our teacher, to lead us, to guide us, to instruct us, and then help us to live out what your word says. In Jesus' name and for his glory we pray. Amen. This morning's reading from Luke chapter 24 is another account of Jesus appearing to his disciples after he was crucified on the cross. Now, most Christians around the world... Remember Easter not as one day, but as 50 days, what we call the season of Easter. For we know that for 40 days, Jesus appeared in many different ways to his disciples and to others, and then on the 40th day, he ascended into heaven. We know that he appeared to Mary, to Peter, to two disciples walking on the road to Emmaus, He appeared to the disciples when Thomas wasn't there, and then he appeared to the disciples another time when Thomas was there. He appeared to the disciples when they were on the Sea of Galilee fishing. You may remember that story. We're told that at one point he appeared to over 500 people at the same time. And then after he ascended, we're told that he appeared to the Apostle Paul, who was known as Saul. So with that as kind of a backdrop, I want to invite you to open to Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. We're going to start at verse 36. Luke 24, 36. Now the context of this passage, this is at the end of Luke's gospel. Jesus has been crucified. He's dead on the cross. He's been buried in the tomb. And now he's physically appearing to different people. And when he physically appears, he's offering words of encouragement, he's offering teaching, he's offering comfort, he's offering hope, he's empowering them, and he's commissioning them. By the way, this passage has often been called Luke's Great Commission. We're all familiar with the one in Matthew, which says, Go ye therefore into all the world and preach the gospel to all nations, baptizing. You all know that one. Well, this is called Luke's Great Commission. And I like what John Stott adds about this passage. He says that the Lord summarizes here the gospel in five truths, and they all have a dual or a double nuance, and we're going to look at those in a minute. First, though, we see that the disciples encounter Jesus. Verse 36, while they were still talking about this, about what? What were they talking about? Well, if you remember the passage right before it, Jesus has appeared to the disciples, or two disciples, on the road to Emmaus, and they had this incredible experience with Jesus, and they go back to Jerusalem, and they're telling about it, and how Jesus had revealed himself in the breaking of bread. And then the text continues, while they were still talking about this, Jesus stood among them and said, he stood among them. Not that he walked up and joined the group. He he was just suddenly there. And he says, peace, shalom, peace be with you. It's the kind of peace which is present when God's there. God's peace, shalom. Look at verse 37. They were startled and frightened, 
thinking they saw a ghost. And he said to them, why are you troubled and why do, you, why do doubts rise in your mind? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. Verse 40, when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. Guys, it's me. Don't freak out. It's me. Touch me. See, this is where they crucified me. Verse 41. And while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement. Now that gets me every time. And while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement. I kind of picture it like something like, you know, when something amazing happens and you say, I just don't believe it. And then later you process it and then you do. You, you put it all together. This week I was having lunch with uh, Pastor Yao. Some of y'all remember Pastor Yao uh, from Ghana. He's preached here before and I did a mission trip to Ghana. And uh, we were having lunch and a, f- a few months ago he reminded me that I had called him. And I was driving along the road, and I just felt impressed, and I'll say it's now as impressed to the Lord, but to call him. So I picked up the phone, my phone, and I dialed his number in Ghana. I said, hey, Pastor Yao, this is Foley. And he goes, Dr. Foley. That's how he called me, Dr. Foley. We were just praying. I said, well, what's going on? He says, well, we need food. You see, they feed 600 orphans every day in their school, and they'd run out of food. And they were praying. And so I sent them uh, just a small amount of money from my discretionary account. And so he's telling me this story, and, and this is what I didn't realize. He said, Foley, I'd gathered all our leaders together, and we were praying, and we were seeking God. Lord, what do you want us to do? How are we going to feed these kids? Because they were out of money, and they were out of food. And the phone rings. And it was me. And so part of me, I, you know, it's like, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to believe it. But I do believe it. God did an amazing thing. And that's what happened here. Jesus stands in front of them and they they can't believe it. But they do. And then he said, do you have anything here to eat? And they gave him a piece of boiled fish and he took some of it and ate of it in their presence. Now, I don't know if he was hungry or if he was just doing this to show that it really was him. He could eat. And then look at verse 44. He said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. That's our Old Testament. The the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Everything must be fulfilled. And then we're told that he then opens their minds and he explains the gospel. Look at verse 45. Then he opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. Now we could pause there and do a whole sermon just on that verse. Then he opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. I don't know about you, but when you come to open the Bible, I hope you say something like this. This is Psalm 119, verse 18. Open my eyes that I may behold wonderful things from your law. Whenever you open the Bible, or you study the Bible, or you hear a sermon, you ought to say, Lord, teach me your word. Help me to see. Help me to understand. 
Help me to have your insight. What is it you want to say to me? So he opened their minds so that they could understand the Scriptures. You see, if you just approach the Scriptures from just a sheer intellectual, secular perspective, you can argue it, and it makes sense. You can put it all together from a sheerly intellectual piece, put all the pieces together. But you won't understand the spiritual side. You have to have the Holy Spirit, God, to open your eyes so you can see spiritually. And then he explains the gospel. The first thing we see about the gospel is that it is a double historical event. A double historical event. Verse 46, he told them, this is what is written. The Christ, that is the Messiah, the the Messiah, the Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. It's a double event. It's an event that's rooted in history. It was real history. The gospel's real history. It actually happened. There was a death. And secondly, there was a resurrection. It was a dual historical event. Before it became an experience, the gospel was an historical event. It really happened. Jesus died. Jesus rose. Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ will come again. It really happened. So it was a double historical event. Second thing here, it was a double proclamation. Verse 47, and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name. Repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name. On the foundation of the death and resurrection, forgiveness and repentance are to be proclaimed. Forgiveness is the gospel offer. Repentance is the gospel demand. I like what John Stott says about this. He says, true, the gospel is a free offer, but what is free is not always cheap. We cannot turn to Christ without simultaneously turning from evil. Forgiveness and repentance. Forgiveness is wiping the slate clean. Washing away my sin, all my dirty deeds, all my dirty thoughts, everything is wiped away. Forgiveness. Repentance is a change of heart. It's a turn. It's going in a different direction. It's a turning away from evil. A double proclamation, forgiveness and repentance. And then we see it has a double reach or a double focus. Verse 47. And repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. The gospel was to start in Jerusalem to the Jews, but was not limited there. It was also to go to the Gentiles as well, to the other nations, not just to a few of them, but to all the nations. To the Jew and the Gentile. Johannes Bloch, who was a very active in the Netherlands Missionary Council several years back, wrote a book called The Missionary Nature of the Church. And his thesis was this. He says, his thesis is that in the Old Testament, the prophet's vision of the last days was that there would be this pilgrimage of all the nations to Jerusalem. It was like a river, a stream will flow to Mount Zion there from all the nations. And he says, but the New Testament, the direction's reversed. 
The church now flows from Jerusalem into the nations. It starts there on Mount Zion in Jerusalem, but then it goes into the whole world. You see, everybody needs Christ. The Jews, that's Jerusalem, and the Gentiles, that's the nations. Romans 1.16, the Apostle Paul says it like this. He says, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jews, then for the Gentiles. To these Jews, Jesus is saying, the gospel of my death and resurrection, offering of forgiveness of sins and repentance is for you, yes, but it's not just for you. It's also for the Gentiles, for the nations as well. So a double reach, the gospel has a double reach to the Jews and to the Gentiles. And then we see it has a double validation. Go back to verse 44. He says, this is what I told you while I was with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. And then in verse 46, this is what is written. He's talking about the Old Testament, what we call the Old Testament. That's the first area. But then he goes down to verse 48. He says, you are witnesses of these things. The apostles were to be witnesses. And what was their witness? They ended up writing what we call our New Testament. It's the witness of the apostles. When we have baptisms in our church and we say the baptismal covenant, there's a question that I ask the congregation, all of us together, based on Acts 2.42. It says, will you remain in the apostles' teaching and fellowship in the breaking of bread? Y'all remember that? This is the apostles' teaching. The New Testament is the apostles' teaching on the Old Testament. So there's a double validation here. The Old Testament speaks of the death and resurrection of Christ and what he was going to do, and the New Testament does. See, I don't know about you. Some people say I'm a New Testament Christian. Well, I want to be a New Testament Christian, but I want to be a whole Bible Christian, a Christian of the whole Scripture. The death and resurrection of Jesus are witnessed to by the Old Testament and the New Testament. It's a double validation and witness to what he is about and what he has done. And then there's a double sending. Verse 49. I am going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. There's a double sending. The sending to the disciples the Holy Spirit, but then the sending of the disciples to the nations of the world. The two always go together. For you see, the Holy Spirit is a missionary spirit. The Holy Spirit is always pointing toward Jesus. Luke tells it this way in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. See, when the Holy Spirit comes, when the power of the Holy Spirit comes, there's going to be witness. The Holy Spirit and witnessing go together because the Holy Spirit's role is to point to Jesus. The Holy Spirit and missions always go together. So there's a double sending. Now this resurrection appearance... Here in Luke chapter 24, Jesus commissions the disciples to proclaim the gospel. It's a message of repentance and forgiveness of sins based upon the death and the resurrection of Jesus the Messiah. 
to all humanity, to the Jews and to the Gentiles, according to the Scriptures, the Old Testament and the New Testament, and sent in the power of the Holy Spirit. So here we are, almost 2,000 years later. So what's the Lord saying to modern disciples about this? What is he saying to us who are modern followers of his? The same thing. He's saying the same thing. First, that our gospel is based on an historical event, not some nice story or fairy tale. It's based on a historical event. Secondly, that because of the death and resurrection of Jesus on the cross, his death on the cross and his resurrection of the dead, forgiveness of sins is available to all who believe in him. And with that belief comes repentance, a turning away from evil. Thirdly, that this gospel has been given to us to make known to all humanity in our day. To the Jews? Yes. To the Muslims? Yes. To the Hindus? Yes. To the atheists? Yes. To the agnostics? Yes. To our neighbors? Yes. And to our family members? Yes. The gospel is given to us to make it known wherever we might be. It's up to us to reach this generation with his good news. A fourth thing, that the gospel is based on both the Old and the New Testaments. Not just on one or the other, but on both. Not on my personal experience. Not on what some other book says. Not on the U.S. Constitution. Not on a movie. The gospel's based on both Testaments of the Bible, the New and the Old. The message of life and death, eternal life and death, forgiveness and judgment is based on both the Hebrew Scriptures and the Christian Testament of the Bible. And fifth, same thing. This gospel must go forth in the power of the Holy Spirit, not just by human efforts, not in my selfish desires, Not by some brilliant strategy or or the latest technology. It's got to go forth in the power of the Spirit. Not because of my emotional or my ego needs. It's supposed to go forth, and the only way it's effective is when it goes forth in the power of the Spirit. See, the gospel is a spiritual message, and it must go forth through the power of the Holy Spirit. So let me ask you this morning, do I speak to someone today? You need forgiveness of your sins? Do I speak to someone today, you need to repent from the evil in your life? Do I speak to someone today that's been wondering about God? Wondering why God won't answer your prayer? Wondering why God seems so distant? Well, maybe it's time for you today to bend the knee of your heart. And submit your life to him. To ask him to come into your life, to forgive your sins. That you're willing to change. You're willing to do what he asks. And invite him in to be Lord and Savior of your life. If that's you, we're just going to have a moment of silence. And I invite you to pray to him in whatever way that you, you, you know. But to ask him to come into your life and to be your Savior and your Lord. Let's pray. Father, for anybody that opened their heart to you 
this morning. I pray that you'd pour out your Holy Spirit upon their life, that you would quicken their spirit and make it alive, and then that you would fill them and baptize them in your Holy Spirit, that they would be filled to overflowing with new life that comes from you, the life giver. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to a word from the Lord. I would like to take a few moments and and give you the opportunity to become a believing Christian. I know today we have a lot of folks that go to church and are real religious, but if you were to ask them if they really know Jesus Christ, they wouldn't know what you were talking about. And I don't know if you're one of those people this morning, but if you've never become a believing Christian, I'd like to give you just a simple ABC, not a gimmick, but but just the way it is. a is for acknowledging that you're a sinner. We live in a culture which says, you know, basically we don't make mistakes, but we do. And when we measure up against God's Ten Commandments, um, all of us have fallen short in some way. We've all messed up, and, and that's called sin, and we need to acknowledge that. The B is, is to believe, to believe in Jesus and what He's done on the cross is God's remedy for our sin, is God's solution for being alienated from Him. To believe that through Jesus I can be made whole, that I can be healed, that I can be forgiven. And the C is for confess. Confess Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. A lot of folks receive Him as their Savior. They want their, what I call, fire insurance. Make sure they don't go to hell. But they aren't willing to allow Him to be their Lord. To be the one who uh, is the master of their life. And, and to confess that, uh, to be willing to share that with those you love and those you care about, that Jesus is your Lord. So it's really that simple, um, and yet it's that powerful that it makes such an eternal difference. Um, acknowledge that you're a sinner. Believe that Jesus is the solution. And confess that Jesus is your Lord. I invite you to stop what you're doing right now and, and say a simple prayer. Uh, confess your sin to Him, tell Him you believe in Him, and then begin to confess Him as your Savior, Lord. If you've done that, I encourage you to uh, let me know. I'd like to send you some materials uh, to help you grow in your Christian faith. It's it's like becoming a, a baby all over again, and there's some things you need to know, some, some things you need to learn in order to walk with God. That was Dr. Beach with today's message. For more information on this message and this ministry, please visit awordfromthelord.org. There you will find today's message and previously aired messages, where you can listen to them again and share them with friends and family. Awordfromthelord.org has audio archives of Foley Beach's one-minute radio feature and much more. So visit awordfromthelord.org for audio, articles, and information about the ministry. You can find A Word from the Lord on Facebook, and be sure to click the Like button to follow our feed on Facebook. You'll want to be sure to visit Foley's blog at bishopfoleybeach.blogspot.com. On the blog, you can read the many articles posted by Dr. Beach. Many of these blog entries are excerpts and full articles published in local publications. You can also follow Foley on Twitter. 
His Twitter address is twitter.com at Foley Beach. If you have any comments or questions about the program, you can contact Dr. Beach by email at foleybeach at a word from the Lord.org. Again, his email is foleybeach at a word from the Lord.org. You can contact us by mail. Our mailing address is P.O. Box 636, Monroe, Georgia 30655. Our mailing address again is P.O. Box 636, Monroe, Georgia 30655. Whether you send us an email or write to us, we'd love to hear from you. A Word from the Lord is made possible by God's grace through the continued prayers and loving financial support from you. And we thank you for this opportunity to spread the hope of the gospel of Christ through this ministry. Join us again next time for the next broadcast of A Word from the Lord. For Dr. Beach and everyone here at A Word from the Lord, it is our prayer that you would be seeking A Word from the Lord.